When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's me playing the piano. Interesting. Why is this not going? And All right. I, I'm not exactly sure. But the and me still done. playing the piano. <laughs> Doing the, uh, live, uh, the, the DraftKings uh, lead in there. Uh, yep. Hello, Mike Luke. I'll let you introduce the show and then I'll say stuff. You are listening to the Arizona Wildcats postgame show brought to you by DraftKings, the world's number one sportsbook betting app. Check it out, DraftKings, code word PHNX. You all know the drill. All right. Um, joined by Mr. Ben White, the uh, the Ben White show and the goatee. Like it, Ben. What was the uh, – uh, fill the people in on there what you've been up to. Well, on the goatee part, no shave November kind of just uh, extended. So that's my explanation there. But fired up to talk about some uh, U of A basketball today. All right, let's do it. As always, joined by John Schuster. All right, Arizona wins. What was it, 84-65? The other way around. 85-64, Arizona covers, you know, for people out there that were curious about this. These games always happen before Christmas, and it's going to happen again on Thursday. Arizona plays a flat game. And again, um, you know, Nick Howard puts out there, he says, flat from what I saw of them. Yes, Nick, you are exactly right on that. But, you know, is that I think that's just kind of the way that college basketball is when you're dealing with kids because, shoe, we've seen it with great teams. We've seen it with bad teams where Arizona is. Well, I think uh, today we've learned a lot of valuable lessons that I'd like to pass along uh, right now in addition to uh, Arizona's 21-point uh, relatively lackluster victory that they uh, – finished up by 21. Uh, we discovered uh, by virtue of our pal Matt Muehlbach that uh, Tommy Lloyd is a Beastie Boys fan, which mm-hmm. uh, gives him uh, some credibility as far as overall music taste is concerned. Sure, it's not King Crimson or Marillion, but it's pretty solid. We learned that Ben White would do an excellent uh, Mr. Spock in the Mirror Mirror reboot. And we learned for everybody out there, everybody out there, I'm hoping that you will participate in this next step. It's Mike Luke's birthday tomorrow. I'm not going to sing because one, I'm not like Mike Luke. I don't have. I'm a good singer. 
nor do I have a Marilyn Monroe uh, octave level. So if you all want to participate in some sort of chat-related endeavor that uh, recognizes uh, Mr. Luke's, uh, you know, adding an extra year to uh, his overall resume, feel free. Between the lines, uh, Arizona was uh, like, you know, Nick Howard said, like you said, I think like like a lot of us agree. And I don't think a lot of us were particularly surprised by this as well. Uh, Arizona was inconsistent, uh, flat, sort of lackluster. I thought Montana State did a very good job making this a competitive game that they still ultimately lost by 21 about where uh, folks uh, sort of expected this thing to go uh, in terms of the overall score. I'm not really surprised by any of this. In addition to the way that things were, Montana State had a pretty good game plan for what they had. Try to pack it in, see if Arizona can hit threes. Uh, Lay off of Tabellus a little bit because uh, the scouting report on him is that he's not necessarily a good outside shooter. So you try to make him uh, make that shot as opposed to be able to post up underneath. I think Arizona played a lot of different lineups tonight. That was planned. And sometimes when you play different lineups, uh, you get uh, a fair amount of inconsistency. So Arizona got a W uh, in a game that, uh, you know, they're, they, they've probably already forgotten. And they'll look ahead to the next game that uh, by the time we do a broadcast at about this time, two nights from, a, uh, from now, they'll probably also have forgotten looking ahead to uh, Pac-12 games from here on out. Ben, what did you see from your uh, vantage point from the slums of Orange County, California? Yeah, I would echo everything Schuster said. I think it's one of those situations where um, Montana State obviously had nothing to lose. And it's one of those situations, too, where it's a 40-minute game. You can throw everything at Balo. You can throw everything at Tuvalis. It was clear that they were going to attack Arizona's inside game. And that's something that Arizona struggled to get going consistently. But for the most part... Um, I thought they played well, you know, the last five, 10 minutes of the game or so. Arizona is one of these teams that we've talked about under Lloyd where they find different ways to win. Um, Tonight it was Creesa coming up big with all those threes, especially um, late in that second half. Um, Guys coming off the bench, I know it didn't really show in the uh, points category, but somebody like Boswell who was able to force a couple of really good turnovers. Um, Arizona's a team, I think, that has a lot of work to do defensively, but when they do play good defense, we all know at this point that it's by forcing turnovers. And I think when you look at the way that they played against Tennessee and just the time of year, it doesn't really surprise me the way this game came. I think Arizona has a lot to work on still on the defensive end, but you know, if you're an Arizona fan, I don't really think there's a reason to panic. And it's, it's kind of what I expected. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk a little bit about Kylan Boswell. You mentioned him, but first, a couple things here. The Four Peaks, Ben, are you familiar with the Four Peaks? Four Peaks no. Brewery. Tell, tell right. me more. All right, here's the deal. Four Peaks Brewery is the official brew of PHNX Sports. Many people get it confused with the greatness that is the Four Peaks, the U of A big men of Tabala or Tabalo of Tabellas, Ballo, Anderson, and Bazar. That's the only Four Peaks I knew, so I'm glad you said that. All right, well, now let me fill you in on more. Four Peaks up in Tempe has all kinds of good stuff going on. They've got watch parties. They've got all kinds of different things going on. You can go up there and make fun of ASU and drink some great Four Peaks as well, or come to the Tap and Bottle watch parties and get Four Peaks down here as well. John Schuster has been to these. The great Ben White has been to these as well. So again, check it out, Four Peaks. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. Enjoy responsibly. And 
OGs. Now, listen, first I'm giving you beer. Now I'm giving you something to go to sleep with right here. OGs is a, you can find this at any, um, you can find this at any dispensary, 21 and up. You can get Indicas, you can get Sativas, you can get all kinds of very tasty little flavors right there and good stuff. Again, check it out. OGs, very happy that they partnered with PHNX. All right. Um, you guys mentioned, or uh, it was mentioned about um, Kylan Boswell and haven't seen a ton from him this year. This was a game, though, where he looks like he's starting to feel pretty comfortable. I mean, he was playing some pretty good defense. He had a heck of a full-court no-look pass uh, towards the end of the game right there. Um, you know, he's going to be the point guard at some point. Uh, Tommy Lloyd has talked about that. What did you guys see from him out there? Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I think I think offensively, you know, there's still a lot to be done there. But I think on the defensive side, that's really what they're looking to see out of him. I think Arizona needs that one consistent 3 and D guard. And I think coming into this season, we had questions about that, right? Obviously, you lose a lottery pick and a, a heck of a player in Ben Matherin. And you wonder who can be that nitty-gritty guard when it comes to slowing down teams in the half court, you know, having to lock down and play really good defense. And he can become that guy. And like anything on this Arizona bench, especially, it's definitely a work in progress. But Lloyd has shown over the last two years that this team is all about player development. This team is all about getting guys better. And this was a big, big step for him tonight. So, again, I think he's really the untold story here in the second half. I know Kreese hit a bunch of threes to, to really get them up by 17. But if he doesn't force some of those turnovers, maybe it's a little bit of a closer margin than um, we're here talking about. So I think it's a great overall performance from him. John Schuster. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, one of those situations, I think where uh, <clears throat> what you're seeing from Lloyd, generally speaking, is a calculated use of his schedule uh, in the Corpus Christi game last week, which was in between uh, the Indiana win and ultimately the Tennessee win, two high-profile games. There was a lot of talk about Arizona getting plenty of bench score. I think it was 51 points out of the 99 that they scored. Uh, tonight, Arizona's bench played quite a bit as well. I think that's calculated. It's calculated mm -hmm. for a long portion of the season. And in games like this, you want to give some of these players, in addition to the, the, the development that's taking place behind the scenes, the opportunity to see if that development works for them in game situations. And tonight, uh, you know, with Boswell, that was, uh, he was one who stood out. It was good to see. And hopefully it's another step in Arizona's development. Because I think what you're going to see throughout the year and what you're looking at from these bench players, you know, in addition to at points in time during the year, uh, you're going to have a couple difficult stretches where games start to, where, where the, the competition is good, games uh, start to line up one after the other against that good competition. And, you know, maybe you're going to get into a foul trouble. Maybe you're going to get a player dinged up here or there, and you're going to have to dig deep into the bench a little bit and just get extra minutes here and there. So, but once you get to the tournament, the hope is sort of what Arizona utilized against Tennessee. You play a lot of your starters, most of the minutes, they're relatively fresh as a result of being able to get the benefit of less minutes because of the bench players you were able to play throughout the year. And uh, that combination ultimately works out for you. And in a tournament situation, if you're in foul trouble, if you're a little bit dinged up, maybe you can get some extra minutes here and there from a bench player who can give you the effectiveness you need to help just a little bit to move into the next round. 
Ben, you mentioned the internal, uh, just the internal improvement with Tommy Lloyd's uh, players, and uh, Jervis Williams put it great where he said, it really is nice watching Vasar and Boswell develop. You can see the improvement game by game, especially with Vasar, because, I mean, yeah. w- when you watch Vasar early on, he was kind of, as our good friend Kevin Woodman would say, he was kind of that praying mantis that, you know, where you've got, like, your limbs and they're kind of going in different directions. He defensively now has become somewhat of a force, and there was a stat out there, and I don't know how accurate it was, but there was a stat out there that said that he is uh, um, one of the five or six best big men in the country as far as challenging shots, and I don't know that I don't believe that because he certainly has shown up in that regard. Yeah, he certainly has. I mean, he's one of those guys who it doesn't matter if the guy he's going up against is you know five, six inches bigger than him or um, smaller. He'll throw his body at anybody. Um and something that we haven't really touched on yet, and I think that it is important on the Man- Montana State side, is Bellow. You've got to give that guy a lot of credit. I mean, he's good. You can sink at Arizona. He's good. He plays in the Pac-12. He plays definitely at the Power 5 level on the right team. But um, that's somebody, again, that was no easy challenge for Arizona throughout the night, 18 points. Um, he had the majority of their boards, I believe, six or seven of them. So, yeah, Vasar's got to be one of those guys off the bench that, again, is is in there to consistently get down low, block shots, try to create and force turnovers. And that's how this offense flows. It's about creating turnovers. It's about getting the ball inside. And if Arizona can do that consistently, they're going to be in a good spot. And I think, too, on the bench point, I was watching a little bit of uh, UConn and, and Georgetown um, before UConn's the game. UConn's good. UConn's very good. And the thing about UConn that our friend Aaron Torres actually pointed out to me directly on Twitter is you can make the argument that their ninth best player, I think, I forget the guy's name, but he's a transfer from Virginia Tech. He's averaging double figures. So you look at point being right. You look at these top teams across college basketball, whether it's UConn, um, Alabama, Houston, some of these other teams, they legitimately go seven, eight deep. And I know Schuster hit on that earlier, right? Come tournament time. Some of that does go out the window because you're going to be playing your top five to six guys pretty consistently. But if Arizona is going to be a big boy, and I, and I think they will be come tournament time, you've got to have consistency from the bench. So while there is some concern against a team like Tennessee having no bench points, you know, these are the types of games where you turn around and say, look on the bright side. Look at somebody like Vesar tonight, obviously. Look at somebody like um, Boswell, who we just hit on. If you can see that consistently and you can get that out of Arizona's bench and especially games like this as the season goes on, you're going to be in a pretty good spot because there's going to be some times where, you know, there could be injuries, there could be some inconsistencies from your starters. So it's a good spot to be if you're Arizona. Schuster, I want I want you to piggyback kind of on Ben's point right there. But, Ben, have you been to Illegal Pete's before? Never heard of Illegal Pete's. Only Illegal about probably a hundred times. <laughs> Illegal Pete's is very smart. They got rid of some other people and they joined us. So we're going to give Illegal Pete's a lot of credit right there. Um, this is the play. Again, I'm supposed to give the Tempe read. They got great food up in Tempe, obviously. They got great drinks as well. But down here on the university, this is where it's at. Illegal Pete's is a spot where all the cool kids, the Ben Whites. Great margaritas, too. Great margaritas. Great margaritas, great food, great, uh, uh, great, uh, all kinds of different uh, food. Check it out. Illegal Pete's um, from cheese to uh, nachos, you name it, bar food, real food, they've got it, and along with good drink specials as well. There's a reason that it's always packed. Check out Illegal Pete's and another place, Tap and Bottle the official watch parties of PHNX. Now, here's what they have there. They have Four Peaks down there, the Four Peaks, 
and Mountain Mike's Pizza shows up as well. And on any given day, you might be able to see John Schuster down there. Ben White has flown into town. Ben White is going to be coming back in in January. So if you want to see greatness personified at these watch parties, John Schuster, Ben White, doesn't get any better than that. Check it out. Uh, Tap and Bottle, Scott and Rebecca do a great job. Very privileged to be joined with them. You'll, right, know that, um, you'll know that uh, John Schuster and Ben White are there. And then from there, you can look for the actual greatness. That's a tap and bottle across from Miller Surplus. Yes, uh, I'm supposed to piggyback on something, Michael. Okay, Ben made it. Ben, as he does, makes a uh, very good point where he was talking about the you know bench production and whatnot. How deep does this team legitimately feel to you? Nine. Okay. Yeah. D- isn't that generally the gauge that you kind of have a feeling for? Yeah, I, I think so. I Probably right. in that neighborhood, Se- right? Seven, eight, maybe nine, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. I-, I think eight's a fair number. You, you know, Henderson uh, is a guy who can put in good minutes. If Boswell improves, that's good. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, Vasar on the front line, that gives you eight off the top of my head. And I still think Ball's going to be a contributor and maybe a significant performer before this is all said and done, although he did play poorly tonight. By the way, uh, in terms of uh, uh, Ben was talking about uh, dif- difficult challenges, from a broadcast standpoint, you had a ball, a ballo, and a bell <laughs> all, all, all on the floor tonight. That's a fairly challenging endeavor to be able to keep that right. So, for, yeah, for the Jordan Kent to, deserves some kudos there. He certainly, he, he most certainly does. And he deserves kudos for saying that Salim Stoudemire was among the most difficult people he ever played, uh, because largely because um, he had to go through he had to go through therapy uh, to, yes. to, to deal with having to. Uh, uh, put up with uh, the many buckets that uh, Stoudemire scored at the college level. Yeah, this is the same Jordan Kent, Mike, uh, last year during the Pac-12 tournament where we were in the Vegas airport flying back and they're calling his name, telling him the, the flight's uh, leaving. And you see That's Jordan right, I forgot sprint, about sprint, that! Sprinting down the McCarran uh, terminal. <laughs> Like, hey, Jordan, you, you might want to hurry up. <laughs> no. Maybe he needs maybe he then needs therapy to get the planes on time, too. Nevertheless, I actually enjoy the uh, that broadcast duo. Uh, I thought I thought they were fantastic. Kent and Muehlbach both do a very good job of being self-deprecating, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, that is a that is an aspect uh, as a one who enjoys that, you know, who has sort of been thrust into that role uh, by <laughs> virtue of the way that things have gone in my life. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I find that I tend to uh, enjoy that comedic approach. So right. I find I the two of John I got to give John Schuster some real credit here. A guy on Twitter put it very well with John Schuster, where he says, he said, he's very knowledgeable. He's impossibly funny. But the thing that I like about him most is that he has no ego. You never see that in the media today. I concur John Schuster has no ego. He's going to be egotistical by denying that he has it. Yes, I am. Uh, the vanity is off the charts. Uh, a couple nights ago, uh, and, and I thought that was interesting, and I'm going to try to do a better job of adapting it uh, since you know we're getting a head start on resolutions that we never follow through on anyway. By the way, that was a very nice compliment and very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why John Schuster always has his hands full and uh, is always doing stuff. So. Yeah, he's always, he's always doing stuff it. like uh, drinking some weird pop that he gets at the Salvage Grocery Store because that's all he can afford. Uh, but uh, but there, there was an interview I came across with Mike Tyson within the last week of all people. And Tyson said something to when somebody when, when the interviewer asked him about how he deals with criticism. He said something to the effect of stop it. Cri- yes. Criticism bothers me if I think I'm somebody. When I recognize that I'm nobody, then I don't then then there's no point. 
then, then the criticism has no point whatsoever. It's like, you know, it's an, it, it's an interesting, Tyson is certainly an interesting character. And, uh, and, and I kind of, you know, I, was, I was kind of taken aback by that. And I, I, I liked it and I'll try to do a better job of adapting that general tenant. But Speaking thanks again which, for the compliment. Speaking of which, a guy that doesn't look like he has a ton of uh, ego, the Tommy gun, Tommy Lloyd. Now, granted, he doesn't like being called the Tommy gun. But that isn't that. going to stop you. Yeah, I mean, you know how we roll around here at PHNX. Uh, I'm, I'm but it was fantastic. When Kirk Creasa got that technical, immediately he starts looking at Tommy Lloyd like, you know, hey, that was a bad call. And you could tell Lloyd didn't care if it was the best call in the world, the worst call in the world. Get out. You're going to the bench. And then he tries to get up, and they showed the uh, uh, the footage showed Creasa tries getting up to start clapping or whatever, and I can't remember if it was Murphy or if it was Steve Robinson, and he just sits him down like, no, you sit down right here. So, you know, the people that say that, like, you know, he's he literally, he's really happy-go-lucky. Does he have any fire? Oh, he's got fire. He just he just knows when and, you'd, when and where to use it, which is something that – the tactful approach is not something that we've seen the last decade or so. That is an interesting sequence for a variety of reasons. You touched on uh, the Tommy Lloyd and the coaching staff aspect. And I think the lloyd crease relationship right. is probably really good and really irritating all at the same time. But the second thing that I kind of liked about this, and I, I need to paraphrase, I liked it in the third week of December. I'd find it a lot more of a problem if it occurs in the third week of March is that yeah. Carissa stood up for a player who he thought was wronged. And, uh, and I think that not that this isn't a team that doesn't have good chemistry, but moments like that don't hurt uh, in terms of in this instance, team, camara and, team camaraderie. And, yeah. And other players uh, on the roster recognizing, yep, that guy's got my back. We've got everybody's back the whole way. Now, if that you've now had two consecutive games where Creasa has overstepped things that he probably shouldn't have done. The instance that led to the technical foul by going toward the onto the baseline and then, you know, trying to rally the crowd, which the crowd liked, understandably, but the ref called a technical and it changed the momentum of the game. In a game where Arizona was about to pull away from Tennessee, that made the game close. Uh, Tennessee then hit a couple threes and the game was a lot closer than it had an opportunity to be because it looked like Arizona was about to pull away. And tonight's instance as well, uh, closed the gap with Montana State. So... This is it is an interesting dynamic that I think is going to be one of the frustrations with Creasa. But generally speaking, if he's doing this stuff now and can control it in mid-March and as the season progresses, I actually think that's kind of a good thing from a bonding standpoint. If he can't and he keeps trying to push Lloyd's buttons and and right. he oversteps what he knows he shouldn't be doing in a game situation then yeah, there are points where this could be problematic, and obviously you don't hope it's a problem come tournament time. Ben White? Yeah, I mean, right, this is early season. This is something that you see in a lot of passionate guards, especially today in college basketball, and um, if we're having the same conversation, like Schuster said, in March it's an issue, but right now, you know, it can be looked at in a good way too, right, because – in a weird way, looking back at that Tennessee game after that happened, I mean, that changed everything. It felt like Arizona was kind of in the driver's seat at that point, but 
you'd rather see this maybe compared to some of the previous teams we've had where there just isn't that camaraderie. There isn't that passion to be quite frank. When you look at some of the other teams that we've had prior to Tommy Lloyd getting here, but it's something that I'm not all that worried about. I think Carissa is a guy who understands the moment. And I think he's going to understand that, especially as we get closer and closer to the tournament and Lloyd and the other coaches are going to be there to consistently remind him to say, Hey dude, you can't do that. You know, if he gets a tech or he gets ejected, he may have to learn the hard way once or twice before March, but I think we've got a little bit of the time. I'm not going to talk about it and make it a problem until it really is a problem, if that makes sense. I think Mike Zaniga makes a great point right here. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, Ben White, have I told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX? Maybe once. Here's the deal. All right. You can put down $5, just $5 on any NBA game. Money line, and you can get up to $200 in free plays if that team wins. That simple, that easy. You might say to yourself, Mike, where could I find this? Mike, where can I find this? Oh, thank you. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, again, bet on the Suns against bad teams or don't bet on them against bad teams because I single-handedly put the Suns into a rut losing to the Rockets twice in like three days. Uh, How how are they doing against the Bullets? They were down at the half against Washington. I I saw they were down. It's very good. I saw they were down as well, so I don't – again, you might just – 90 to 82, eight-point game, seven minutes left. Just say to yourself, you know what, Mike Luke's an idiot. Um – I'm going to go against him. John Schuster last year single-handedly made the Pistons go on like a 12-game winning streak by That's saying bet against, <laughs> bet against the Pistons. But, again, drafting – you, uh, Dwayne Casey owns, uh, owes John Schuster a Christmas present if there's any type of extension or benefit coming out of that. He does. This is John Schuster. This was nobody else. This was John Schuster and John Schuster. Only. Yes, it was. All right. Um, but again, check out the show notes and the links in the description. 21 and up, Arizona only. If you've got a gambling problem – where do you call? Uh, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Mike Luke. That's 1-800-NEXT-STEP. There you go. Unless All you're right. watching this in another market that allows online gaming, and then your number's a little bit different. Like but if you're in California or something, yeah. Step. Right. Um, now, let me hear uh, – we're going to get to uh, some really good comments here. Mike Zuniga, and I think this is a fair point. He said, would like to see the Cats stop playing down to their competition. Could become an issue in that 215 matchup type game in March. I agree with yeah. that. Um, you don't like to see it. I'm not overly worried about it, but at the same time, they definitely play up or down to their competition. If they're playing, uh, uh, Tennessee, they're going to play really well. If they're playing Montana state, it's probably going to be a little bit closer. Does that worry you guys at all? Uh, I think there are a few things to take out of that. The, uh, I won't bury the lead. Let's go with perhaps. Uh, but you know, again, tonight, Arizona was certainly flat, but Arizona played a lot of different lineups too. Against uh, Tennessee, they played a lot more consistent lineups throughout. Uh, Starters played more minutes, and I think they clearly delivered pretty well. So the stat where Arizona didn't score any points, uh, bench points against Tennessee that was highlighted quite a bit, I think is less an issue. uh, Whatever, yeah. Yeah, right. Then, then, you know, it's going to Arizona. That's a number where Arizona's generally okay, and, you know, it's dependent upon the game. Tonight, there were a couple factors that uh, worked into, in this matchup, what felt like a 2-15. Arizona the two, Montana State wins its conference. They're a 15 seed. You get that, uh, you know, you get that matchup. Arizona's going to play 
a more consistent lineup if that game occurs, a game like that occurs in the NCAA tournament. However, and this is to uh, Mike's point. Uh, to quote Kevin comment, Woodman, you say that so you can tell Mike. us this. Yeah. This game was competitive up until about, what, six minutes to go? Yeah. yeah. The longer that you're a two in a competitive game against an, a more unfavorable seed, everybody in that crowd turns on you and every possession becomes more pressurized. And it is a much different atmosphere in the middle of March than it is in the middle of December. So in that regard, yes, I think he's absolutely right. You would like to see Arizona do a much better job when it garners leads to be able to maintain leads and then perhaps build upon those leads as well. Arizona had a couple opportunities where they had double-figure advantages that Montana State continually cut into. What you would hope happens in a matchup like that in the NCAA tournament is that Arizona has double-figure lead, maintains it throughout, and negates whatever rally is possible from the team on the other side. Ben, I'd like to see I'd like to see Arizona really focus, especially in these first half of games, of just finding that solid five to six and getting the game to a point where it's out of reach. And then at that point, you can bring in guys off the bench, right, to incorporate what you're trying to do. I think the thing that maybe if there is something to nitpick on this, like, yes, everything you just said is valid, right? When it, when push comes to shove, when you're playing a, a 15-16 matchup, if you're down, the longer you're down, that margin of error obviously widens but I think Arizona plays a little bit different and I think under Tommy Lloyd in the sense that this is very much a developmental type season right Arizona's going to tweak with things they're going to understand what types of situations where they're in I think with somebody like Sean Miller you would see Arizona throw you know your five six best every single game even if it was NAU and Miller was screaming at them for the entire 40 minutes to to be perfect I don't think Tommy Lloyd coaches that way I think right. there's a little bit of a different approach there, but I mean, it's a valid point. And what have we talked about year and a half, two years now about Arizona and slow starts, right? Something that came back to bite them against TCU. They got bailed out by Ben Matherin, something that was a challenge in Houston. Granted, there was the crease injury and, and whatnot, but it's an issue. I mean, I think you have to be concerned, but the quickest way to measure progress, I think, is to see that gap widen in the first 10 to 15 minutes a game. And I'd like to see Lloyd be a little bit more consistent early in the games and let Arizona build a bigger lead. And then you can start experimenting with guys off the bench and working on the developmental things of the game. Yeah, I think that's an interesting philosophical strategy here. Uh, and just guessing, I think Lloyd wants to play different lineups with bench players in portions of the game where things are still in doubt. So he allows them to make the mistakes or to thrive when, you know, things aren't decided. Uh, and, and in games like that, you're taking a calculated gamble that they may be a little bit closer against decent competition. Montana State's pretty good. You know, they are, like uh, some of the commenters have noted, uh, they're, you know, they were a 14 seed last year. That was legit. They're on that 15 line in that kind of conference. They have a chance to get into the tournament uh, by, by winning their league. So, and they can be a problem. They have enough pieces to be a problem in that first round game. Uh, so if Lloyd is playing bench players in the first 10 minutes or so, I think a lot of that is, okay, they're decent. The game's in doubt. I don't want to throw you in when we're up 20. Uh, so thrive or suffer. And then we'll have to adjust as things go along and we'll see exactly, you know, it's a sink or swim type thing. 
And I see that if I'm interpreting that strategy correctly and that long-term vision uh, for the season correctly, I kind of like the direction. I understand the frustration too. And I can, and, and I think the counter argument or, or the argument that Ben is making here is, uh, is sound. Uh, but it is a, it is an interesting approach and we'll see if it's something that uh, pays off as the season moves along. Do you guys, are you guys uh, bothered at, are you guys bothered at all? Cosmic Contrarian, I think makes an interesting point. He said, Kerr's making the game about him. He's playing like he's the most important player on the court. He better get this nonsense corrected now. I don't have a problem necessarily with the technical that occurred today. If it didn't come right on the heels of a technical that, pretty much changed the tide of that Tennessee game right there. That's two straight games with really, uh, again, this one didn't really matter, but you generally would hope that somebody would be a little bit more mindful of that, especially after the significant technical that he got the previous game. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, I don't really have an issue with him or view him in that light. I think he's a guy who knows when he has his moments and when it's time to step back. Right. I think last year you did see, you know, some boneheaded shots maybe from the outside that he shouldn't have taken. But I think for the most part, you know, really good looks tonight. And he deserved to take every single one of those. He did a great job from behind the arc. And he's going to be one of those guys where, you know, at this point, we've talked about this. And I know Schuster made this point after the Tennessee game over and over. And he's absolutely right. When push comes to shove and Arizona needs that final bucket, yep. Yep. who's that going to be? It's going to be Creasa. So what do you have to do to ensure Creasa makes that shot? You've got to put him in those moments, put him in those situations where he can be consistent. And I think he's as valuable as a, a self, a selfless team player as um, you want to make him out to be. I think he can get a little bit, um, you know, in times I think he can show off, but at the same time, I, I think that's a good energy for the team. They, they know when to scale back. They know when to show that energy as well. And, it goes back to the conversation with the technical, right? Lloyd is aware of the situation. He knows it's something that needs to be monitored. And until it's a problem, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and stress over it. I think Kreese is a great player. I think he's a key. You know, he's obviously the key to their backcourt and and what they do offensively outside of getting the ball inside a ball to Balo and to Bellis. And I don't have an issue with it at all so far. I think Kreese, uh, Mike, also uh, Ben, also knew that, uh, you know, he – he knew that he was going to get yanked and he was, he was going to defend his position. Uh, and, uh, but there's an interesting interpretation there from cosmic contrarian that I might respectfully opt for umbrage. You might suggest Uh, you disagree. I I might suggest there's some disagreement there. Come on, Schuster. Uh, We use English on this show. On both of those, (laughs) on both of those occasions, uh, Carissa defended his team and or his teammate. It wasn't about something where he was wrong. Great point. Uh, when he was on the bench, he was excited in the Tennessee game for somebody else hitting a big shot. And he was trying to rally his team. He was trying to rally the crowd. Tonight, he was upset because he thought Larson got fouled. Wasn't that he got fouled. Wasn't that, you know, he was somehow bumped and uh, screwed in this play. No, it was because of Larson. He stepped up for a teammate. Uh, And I think that's something that's going to reflect very well. This is going to be the, uh, for Wildcat fans here when Mike Stoops was the coach. After a while, smart, uh, savvy uh, production teams 
uh, who brought their television crews into town, had basically something that we uh, Stoops we Cam. Called, we called Mike Stoops, Stoops Cam. Yes, we called we called Stoops Cam because they recognized that Stoops was a very emotional uh, entity that provided extra entertainment. Uh, usually for frustration purposes, but there was laughter for the fan base as well. And again, sports is largely entertainment. They were smart enough to do that. A camera crew of some sort should probably pay attention and focus on the Lloyd Creaser relationship. That's a good point. Here, as much as they can, because that now I'm way past the point where I don't have any follicles to remove. But there's a very decent chance that Tommy Lloyd's going to look a heck of a lot more like me. That is not a good thing uh, as this season progresses uh, by virtue of how Creasa is going to constantly push his buttons. I think the two of them get along very well. I think they have I do a too. relationship, but they also have one of those relationships where, you know, there's a certain intensity in the moment and the coach is responsible for... Uh, uh, trying to keep things in line and creases creases like and, that teenager who's going to try to yeah. push him as much as he possibly can. And the only thing I'll add to that, and it's all it's all great points, is when Lloyd gets in his face and acknowledges that it's time, Creasa knows. There's no resistance. Yeah. There's no fighting. He sits down on the bench. He cools down. So that's what you and want. And Tommy Lloyd's not stupid. He knows at the end of the day, if we're if anybody else, if we're all concerned about this, possibly. Um, you know he pro- he know he's got a better uh, he's got a better feel on that pulse than anybody. This is very funny, David Matola. Someone in KO Cam is found on the show Bar Rescue. Oh, that no. was funny. That was me. Oh but funny. no! <laughs> but by the way, I was actually asked the other day, who do you think's a better drinker, uh, Sumlin or KO? And I said KO by a mile because someone strikes me as the guy that's sloppy and is like falling over after a couple drinks. Where KO Ben White and I can attest. We- yeah, not to get too much into it, but we witnessed it. We witnessed the KO. So, again, all right, guys. Everybody out there, really, really appreciate you. Uh, Schuster, it looked like you were about to say something. Oh, that's okay. Um, uh, briefly, uh, other than happy birthday, I hope you enjoy it uh, tomorrow, and uh, you can keep us updated on your wild shenanigans uh, in Thursday's broadcast. Uh, we talk about Lloyd's relationship sometimes with a lot of uh, different uh, components, and obviously tonight we talked about uh, he and Creasa. I really enjoy watching the way that Lloyd talks to officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a there is a lot of respectful give and take in those conversations. And it's not that he does it is he's backing up his players, he's believing in his calls, he's standing his ground he's back in the A as well and try, back in the A trying to make his point. Uh, but by the same token, he he allows of, officials to engage in some fairly lengthy communication while while maintaining a modicum of decorum. Uh, and then again, we'll make his point to try to say, I think this is what's going on and this is something you need to watch and I think you're missing it. It's an interesting, I think there's a balance of respect between those two components that uh, looks good. Are and, you saying that and, they're probably... Go, go ahead. No, 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 go, go ahead. ahead. Are you saying that there probably won't put a bounty put on uh, his head by uh, Pac-12 officials? Is that what you're saying? That's, uh, that's that that may very well be a uh, fair assessment. Of uh, right. you know, I don't. Um, that's one of the mysteries of the night. The other mystery of the night, perhaps, is that based on the broadcasts that uh, Mulebach has, uh, I get a feeling he's hanging out. He and Tommy Lloyd are like best friends now. 
It's yeah. not, Mulebach knows behind the scenes stuff about Tommy Lloyd that most broadcasters shouldn't know about coaches. I, right. I, I, I swear that I don't know, you know, what their respective, uh, you know, we've talked about drinking habits uh, earlier or what, what their uh, respective socializing schedules are. But it seems like these two guys are buds hanging out at some speakeasy that we don't know anything about about four times some a week. tavern in Spokane or something. Or Spokane. <laughs> I don't know or what Bob, the heck's going Bob on. But man, it's a, yeah, Bob Dobbs. Yeah, that, that's as good as possible. The secret room in Bob Dobbs, which is uh, right near the, <laughs> the, the, the bread bakery in the back that uh, uh, makes bread for the old – for the new floors in the old Rincon market. They're probably hanging out there, uh, you know, enjoying Sipping back some of grandma's old cough medicine <laughs> and, and enjoying some tasty dough in the process. Yes. I don't know what's going on, but Mulebox certainly knows a hell of a lot about Tommy Lloyd. He does. All right. Everybody out there really, really, really appreciate all of you. Be back on tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday. Get used to seeing Ben White on here. Ben is going to be joining us. Ben has more time. Ben's cool in California. Making a lot of money, but Ben wants to join us, and we appreciate that. Also, quickly, what did you guys think of Mulebach trying to drop the uh, Lithuanian locomotive tonight? Is Mulebach trying it. to I get think... into the nickname game? Is he? Yeah, cutting, no. Is is he cutting into your territory, Mike Luke? No, he's cutting into your territory. I only am the vehicle that pushes this. You are the one. You're Mule the Bach origin. The locomotive. I don't know about that. I'm just no. Schuster came up with the Swedish pinball. Really. He did. Wow. He did right on this show. On this many, very podcast. Many did. You know, it just, it, it is what it is. John Schuster cannot get out of this right there. Jumping on the wagon, Ben. It's good to have you in here, dude. Hold on. Let's see good, here. Good to have you guys too. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. Again, appreciate all your comments. We will be back with you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll all be back with you on uh, Thursday. Last game before Christmas. Happy, have a great rest of your uh, Tuesday, and we'll talk with you Wednesday. For John Schuster, Ben White, I'm Mike Luke. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.